Welcome to this episode of Life Beyond Our Wildest Dreams Recovery Podcast. It's a podcast about what we have earned through our recovery and how we get to live lives beyond our wildest dreams in recovery if we stay. Today, my guest is Lori from Long Island, New York. Lori is a mother of two, wife, and been in recovery from alcohol for seven years. She is current host of Pamela Pesta's Letting Go of the Thief International Book Group, which is held on Tuesdays. And above everything else, Lori is a Mets fan. So I finally had to check with Charlie, and I know it's baseball. So Lori, welcome to the podcast, and maybe we will just turn our volume down a little bit, and I apologize for all the technical issues, but here we are. No problem, Denise. Thank you for having me. Good. That's perfect. Well, thank you for your patience. Once in a while, things don't go as smoothly, but anyways, we are here today, and I welcome you so much to the podcast, and thank you for your patience. Um, You know what the podcast, Lori, that we typically always uh, start off with the first question of, could you let the listeners know what happened the day that you were sick and tired of being sick and tired and you decided that recovery was an option for you? Yes, I can. Absolutely. Uh, I remember it vividly, actually. Uh, I had, I was on the tail end of my uh, two week without alcohol run. And I decided that I was going to quit alcohol. So it was at the end of the second week. It was a Saturday night and I gave in. I couldn't take the white knuckling anymore. I couldn't handle, you know, just every day was a struggle to to not pick up that drink. And I did go to the second week and I gave in and boy, it was brutal. Uh, I stayed home. I didn't get in any trouble outside of the home, but I sure was not looked upon with fondness by my husband the next morning. Um, And my husband is a pretty gentle soul. So to upset him takes a lot and he was done. And that's how I felt. I felt like this was like, he looked at me with disgust and I hate to use that word, but that's how he looked at me for the first time. And so I had to weigh my options, Um, Denise. I had to say, well, you know, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to get help. Um, I had heard of AA, but I didn't really know anyone in the program except uh, my husband's daughter who had just entered AA due to a drinking problem. But I knew nothing about the program. And I happened to find right upstairs on her bed, a meeting list. And I decided to take that leap that night and get to a meeting that night. So I was probably about, you know, uh, less than 24 hours sober when I went to my first uh, step meeting, I guess you want to say, or 12 step. That was seven years ago. Absolutely. Wow. So, you know, um, you had obviously been drinking for some time, correct? Since I was 17. And fairly serious consequences enough to make you want to quit at that point? Or did that come later and as you said, closer to the time that you gave it up? My consequences hit probably in my late 30s and I rode with them. I never tried to seek help. I had gotten two DWEs. Um, They sent me to classes. They recommended uh, a recovery program. I did not do that. Uh, I made sure I didn't drink before these meetings because they could possibly breathalyze you. I avoided 
I went through every consequence and avoided sobriety for so years. So no matter what, enough wasn't enough. Absolutely not, except that final day. Yeah. And the thing is, too, is that I think that's the same thing with with most people in addiction is that, you know, when is it going to be enough? When is done going to be done? And like you said, that final day, you knew that, you know, obviously your marriage was important to you. You knew that it was done. And also you had two children, correct? Correct. So I don't know their ages at that time, but the thing is, it sounds like the family unit themselves had had enough Absolutely. and you were, you were at risk of losing that. So obviously the one thing that was the turning point for you was to keep your family. Correct. So the great thing about recovery is we come into recovery for ourselves. Um, I know in my case, I come into recovery, I come only for six months to quit drinking. And, um, you know, my plan was not to hang around. And, you know, we come in just to stop drinking, but we save the lives of our family members, we save our own self. And we also get far more I never imagined beyond my wildest dreams that I would come into a program of recovery. And I would get to live the life I've lived. And you and I talked earlier about, um, you know, that sometimes there's an idea that people will come into recovery and it'll be smooth sailing and we won't have all these life challenges. You know, these challenges are going to happen whether we're recovered or we're not. And um, for you and I, we're discussing for ourselves, it makes it much easier to navigate our way through these life issues when we are in recovery. So can you give us some type of idea in your own experience, um, having been in recovery and obviously making a choice on a daily basis that you are staying in recovery and want to remain sober and you've got your 12-step program of your choice that works for you, can you tell us what specific personal things you feel that you've earned from your recovery? Well, I'll tell you, I, I just love that the name of your program is A Life Beyond My Wildest Dreams, because that is my favorite, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, saying or quote or whatever. I have a bracelet that says that. I'm wearing it right now. Nice. And, <laughs> and I uh, absolutely love it. To me, the meaning of Beyond My Wildest Dreams meant that I was free of the what ifs. And I was free of that emotional insecurity. And that was huge for me. I was an anxious person. Um, I never had it treated. I knew it was of my own doing, believe it or not, even when I was drinking, I knew alcohol was causing anxiety. So I never tried to get medication for it. Um, and this program, the program that I'm in allowed me to talk to people who were suffering like I was and hearing for the first time someone understanding what I'm going through. And that's really all I needed to grasp onto was that uh, relationship with someone that I didn't feel different. And I realized a lot of people felt the way I felt. So um, it, it changed everything for me, everything. And, and I think too, you know, the name of the program, as you know, are of the podcast, pardon me, did generate from my late sponsor. Beverly had been in the program for 54 years next week. Yeah. And, you know, she used to always say, if you take the steps off the wall, put them in your life, things will happen beyond your wildest dreams. 
And, uh, you know, I relate that to any program of recovery. If a person takes their daily practices and they do those practices in all their affairs every day, then you do get the benefit. You know, I've been sober a long time, almost four decades. And I can tell you, in the years that I did little, I got little. You know, the years I did the work and I really worked on myself, I really got the benefit. So, you know, it's not a complicated process. Uh, we get what we put in. And, um, you know, the Beyond Our Wildest Dreams, I just think, is so hopeful. You know, yeah. there's so many um, types of recovery and types of experiences where we can really focus on you know, the drunkologues or the, the whole stories of how we all got here. You know, I like to just kind of position the podcast from we're already here. We've already doing what we're doing. We've picked the path of our choice. And more importantly, it's working. And so as a result of making that choice every day and staying, we have the hope of doing anything that we want to do. And, you know, you've already explained a little bit that, um, and I'm not putting words in your mouth so you can correct me, but it sounds like when you you did sober up, one of the things you earned through respect or through recovery was respect from your family. Absolutely. They were thrilled. <laughs> and I think with children, too, you know, it must be difficult for children dealing with an alcoholic parent. Absolutely. Absolutely. I put on a good face as often as I could, but there were moments that they saw, you know, um, it, it's, it's something that stays with me. Um, however, um, you know, we, we've had open discussions about it where we're on the same page now. They understand. I understand. My one son actually said to me, mom, you didn't know what you didn't know. And that came from him. I, I, I have heard that in program, that saying, but I didn't know he knew that. And that's exactly what he said. So, And how old are credit. they now? Now, uh, one is 34 mm -hmm. and one is 32. Yeah. So all those relationships have been restored. Yes. And, you know, they don't have to have that um, unpredictability of what to expect every time they see you or they're talking to you, like what version of the alcoholic mother are we going to get today? Absolutely. I could either be in, in a very good mood, not drinking, um, and be happy to see them, or I could be drinking and over affectionate, you know what I mean? To make it look like I'm not drinking, I would say, I'm going to make you all the cookies you want. Because when, you know, <laughs> when mommy's happy, everybody's happy, right? I'd be drinking yeah. and I'm going to give you your treat too. And I think they kind of knew that at some time. Like, gee, mom's very happy today. Why are we getting so many cookies? Because mommy's drinking. Yeah. And if you've been sober seven years, the thing is, is that, you know, by the time you stopped, they're old enough. They're That's adults at that point. They've got the absolutely. full picture. So right. My, one of them had moved out already. But by the time I had gotten sober, I, there was one in the house uh, and one not. One had moved out. Yeah. So the family's been a great big, it sounds like a, a real win for you in your recovery. And you regained, the, obviously, the respect of your husband and he helped us there for a few minutes with technology and <laughs> seems like a lovely man. And you and I were so frustrated. We were getting ready to let him do the podcast. 
Exactly. But, you know, so you've got the respect of your family back. Now, if you think in your own life, separate from the family, what kind of, where does it pay off for you to be in recovery? What are the, what are the wins and what are the things that you've earned? I think um, what I've earned was peace of mind, first of all, um, that I don't walk around with this anxiety anymore that I used to carry. Um, and, you know, I, I think that I couldn't catch up to life and I've caught up to life now. I don't procrastinate like I used to. My life is on track. I'm available to people when they need me. I'm here. Um, I'm responsible and it feels good, Denise. It feels good to be here for people that need us. We take care of um, a few elderly people and we're the only people living in New York that are family to them. So we take care of them during the week and weekends whenever needed. And I'm happy, more than happy to do it, more than happy to do it. So you earn the ability to give back. Exactly. And to be of service. And, you know, I think, especially since we're both in the same 12 step program, I think one of the basis of the program is that you come in, you use the tools, you get your life back, and then you don't just sit in the rooms for the rest of your life, you go out into the world and you be as, 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 as much service as you can be. Absolutely. I love being out there. And, you know, I'm one of those people that say I recover out loud. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm going to be 65 years old on Sunday and um, I have nothing to hide. <laughs> I have nothing to hide, you know, if, and, and the more that you are 65 and that you're still alive and you got it. And this is kind of a thing, too. You know, I understand everyone's got their own situation and take on it. But, you know, I'm just grateful for every single day. I, you know, can't believe I made it to 61. I can't believe that I have actually stuck with the program as long as I have, because before program, you know, I could start a lot of different things, but no one thing got done. No one thing got seen through to the end. Right. Um, you know, and so the thing is, is that you earn the respect, you earn the right to go out into the world. And uh, some of our literature talks about being a citizen of the world. And, you know, we can only do that once we've done the work, once we've undergone, you know, whatever our spiritual awakening is and have undergone that complete personality change as a result of our chosen programs, then we get to relate to the world in a whole new way. So, you right. know, although it's not, it, I remember the day I sat in a meeting and I thought to myself, oh, this isn't really just about not drinking. And of course, the old timers just laugh their asses off. <laughs> like, oh, she's finally getting it. Like, you know, this was a symptom of way other problems. And just to be free of self is such a blessing for me to not have to think about myself, to think about other people, or like exactly. you said, cook a meal and go and support somebody else. Anytime I cannot be thinking about self, I'm happy. Exactly. And I'm a free person today. I can come and go anywhere I want, do what I want. Um, I'm responsible and I'm proud of that. You know, I used to, um, you know, drink at the, at the worst possible moment in a situation, the worst possible moment. And because I was afraid it was fear and alcohol calmed that fear. And it does not anymore for me. Um, program calms my fears, communication with other people like yourself, calm my fears and fear was a big factor and it is no longer. It really isn't moments. Obviously, we all have moments, but overall, 
I'm blessed, truly blessed, blessed to have this program and to talk to people like you. Well, and you know, there's so many people in recovery. We just had Gigi a while ago. And Gigi, of course, um, you know, has a book, 50 Ways to uh, Worry Less. I have that now. book. And, you know, it's amazing. Like, you know, like you said, we get to talk to different people. We get to have different experiences. I'm a little bit different than maybe you in the aspect that I do have a serious anxiety disorder. That's why I could never do a podcast, uh, a visual podcast. It has to be audio. Uh, and I have to take medication for it. So the thing is, is that I did not know until I was 25 years sober that I had anxiety disorder. And like you say, you know, pouring alcohol onto all that, or then in my case, having no alcohol and working the steps and wondering why things weren't changing. I think for me also being in a singleness of purpose program, I wasn't really able to discuss those other things. So I was just focusing on the alcohol. And when the alcohol wasn't there, how come these things weren't changing? And uh, so today, you know, like you said, we have the freedom. We have the freedom in our programs today more than when I came in. We've got the freedom to have hybrid programs to, you know, add different things that work for us to, you know, my 12-step program is definitely the foundation and the walls and the roof of my Uh recovery. But every once in a while, I want to put on some new paint or change the furniture. And I do that by adding other uh, aspects of other recovery programs in. And so, you know, the podcast is a great way to have conversations with people like yourself and and people from different recovery, just all sharing the fact that this is about freedom. This is about hope. And, you know, I know from what you're saying and, and my experience, we didn't have freedom and hope when we got here. Exactly, Denise. I, I felt that, um, you know, I had lost my brother to this disease and of addiction and when I came in, in the rooms, my key word was hope. This, that's exactly what it was about. I had hope for myself when I found these rooms. And um, I didn't have that before. Uh, when I lost him, I said, well, I'm next. You know, yeah. um, what's, you know, how is this going to be different? Uh, and it's, it's a world of difference. It really is. It, it's just hope was what it was all about when I came in. I was hopeful. And I stayed in that hope and I didn't want to let that go for anything. So I'm a, I'm a true believer in any kind of recovery program, but I needed assistance. I needed help. I tried too many times to do it myself. And again, I, 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 there was nothing for me to even think about differently. I wasn't thinking different. I was just trying to keep my hand off that bottle. Yeah. And it was a struggle every single time until I found like people, (laughs) And I think that, you know, I kind of get a little frustrated when I hear people say, oh, the last year and a half has been so horrible. And, you know, we've had this pandemic and everything else. Yeah, okay, great. But, you know, in my aspect has been the best year. It has opened up Zoom. It's opened up being able to go to meetings all over the world. I know you've had that experience as well. We attend a lot of different meetings all over the world. And, you know, we would not have met the people that we've met had this pandemic not occurred. And, you know, one of the things that I know that you are active in right now is in Pamela Pesta's uh, international book group every Tuesday. And you've just taken over the hosting of that, which is great. Uh, we will have Anne on here. The, um, she was the host before you. I'll have her on here next week. 
but uh you know let me know how how you feel about hosting the group and and you know what hope you're getting from that group because well, i think it's a pretty hopeful group it is a wonderful group. I, I wouldn't miss it for the world. When I first, uh, when Pamela invited me onto that meeting, you were the host and you were our original host, I believe. So, and I know it was going on for some time. And I love the format. I love the way you opened. Um, I loved the safe place attitude, which was a wonderful thing. I had never really heard that in the meeting, like this is a safe place and it truly is. So you've actually passed it on to Anne and then on to me. And when it was up for grabs and Anne could no longer for a while anyway, uh, be able to attend, I did not want this to go away. And uh, when I didn't see anyone jump in in the first three seconds, <laughs> I jumped in because it meant that much to me to keep this going. Well, and everyone appreciates that you're doing a great job. And I think, you know, rotation is good, too. I Absolutely. think that, you know, I, it's a big commitment. And I think really a year, I think I did it. And then Anne's done it for, you know, eight months, seven months. And so the thing is, it is a very safe space, Pamela. You know, you don't have much opportunity where you can study a book and have the author there as well. And exceptional so absolutely she, she gives her interpretation as people read the chapter so i'd encourage anyone that they're, it's always open for new members so they can dm yourself myself pamela um and so really i you know i know people really appreciate that service that you're doing and so just to wind up here um we've talked about what you've earned family wise we've talked about your service in the world we've talked about your service with the hosting of the book group so if you had to come up with one but maybe two things that you know you are able to do today that are beyond your wildest dreams that you never thought you'd be doing that you can only do because you are in recovery what would those things be I, well i think one of them is mend relationships um you know, my mom and I uh, used to butt heads, not not horribly. We never went without speaking for any length of time, but we were kind of different people. And um, what I would do was um, when she called on the phone and she lived in Florida for many years, I would pour a glass of wine because I didn't, I couldn't handle really speaking to her without getting upset sometimes or she had a very quick mouth as I did. And so we would butt heads. And um, when I put that down, that drink down um, and was able to talk to her freely, our connection was so much better. And I actually traveled down to Florida to let her know that I was a year sober because I didn't tell her I was in a program for the first year. Uh, I wanted to see how I would do and how I would handle it. And I didn't want to be in it for a month and leave and tell her all that. So I said, I'm going to stick this out and see how long I can do this. So when I went down to tell her, unfortunately, she said, oh, I already know your sister told me. <laughs> Here I am thinking I'm keeping it, you know, a secret from her for a year. I did not. She was thrilled. And I was worried because my brother had attempted to go to program and uh, his demise happened before he could really get sober. So I didn't know how she felt about a program for me because it didn't seem to work for my brother. And I know she was, of course, heartbroken when he passed. And so for me, that's why this program is about hope. It's really about the hope of recovery. And uh, 
you know, my relationships, talking differently to people, um, looking at my, you know, my perspective is, is totally different now where I'd look for negative all the time. See, that's why I drink. See, that's why I drink. Now it's why, you know, now it's like, see, that's why I'm sober. I can handle this now without that drink in my hand. And I think with recovery, we learn that, right, is that it's what wolf are you going to feed? The thing is, if you are surround yourself with negative, then you're just going to, I mean, my natural default as an alcoholic is I believe I have a disease of perception, a disease of the mind. I don't take in information the same as non-alcoholics. I don't process it the same way. And I will always, even with my OCD, it's never to the positive, it's always to the negative. So I'm constantly having to hit the reset button because the default, I think, for people in addictions is the negative. Exactly right. So we have to teach ourselves the positive. And I think the great thing, too, about the podcast, talking about talking to all kinds of people, we know each other pretty well after, you know, almost a year of being in meetings together. And, um, you know, it's so interesting because we're all the same, but we're different. And, you know, I had a, it's just so interesting to me because we haven't discussed it, but as you're talking about your mother, my mother also lived in Florida. My mother uh, and I were black and white. We just did not uh, fit at all for different reasons. And, uh, but the program, so we were not close. There was many, many years that we did not, we were not in communication uh, she did not approve of lifestyle, so it never had the end end result that you have had with relationship. But what it did do that we have in common is without the program, Charlie and myself, we ended up, you know, looking after her her last year when she was in hospice and when she was uh, dying. And the thing is, the program allowed me to take the personality out of it and allowed me to just care for the person with the principal. Exactly. You hit it right on the head, Denise. That's exactly right. When we remove the personalities, when we remove our own personal feelings with the person, the program gives me the ability to care for, to respond to people in a completely different way, like you said. And it gives us the tools and it gives us the experience to meet everybody where they're at. You know, the greatest freedom for me was to not have to be right all the time, to not have the last word Um, and not to, if people are different and whatever, I don't get into anything. The outside issue thing for me is big because in my addiction, I was into all the issues. (laughs) So to step back and not have an opinion, to realize that my opinion is only important to myself, not to anyone else, and that it's not necessary for me to express it in every that's right and what I learned from you was the less said the less I have to apologize for is that correct less said less undone there you go (laughs) and that came from my 94 year old grandmother I like that a lot knew I was in the program knew she was dealing with a daughter with a problem who never really resolved it and just said you know I would say to her like what do we do here? How do we deal with this person this way and that way? She'd always say, you know what? Less said, less undone. So I try to carry that with me. You know, am I perfect? No. Do I sometimes speak out of turn? Absolutely. But I really try to get keep myself out of those situations. Like you said, 
deal with the principle of the situation and the people, meet them where they're at. Don't try to change people. Don't try to judge them. You know, I'm a real believer. I've heard recently in our meetings, you know, I'm going to do me, you do you. Right. And really none of the rest of it's any of my business. Right. Right. So Lori, I really appreciate your time, your patience. I appreciate the the problems we had in the beginning but you know you know that for me the podcast is just a casual chat and conversation as if we were sitting together which I wish we could right and have a cup of coffee <laughs> and you know so I don't get too concerned if we have a few bumps here and there and I hope the listeners understand that but I just want it to be truly authentic so I thank you so much for your patience today and for coming and you're doing an awesome job as the host and I really, really um, appreciate our friendship. And I really appreciate you taking the time today. Thank you, Denise. And thank you for asking me. I know when you had asked um, if anyone wanted to, I was kind of backed off. I was like, oh boy, this is scary. And then you said, how about you? And I said, okay, because I say, okay, now I don't well, hide and I try to, but if someone asks, I say, okay, because it's for the good of everybody and everything. <laughs> And I think Sandra Losty from Recovery Hour, she always talks about this happened and that happened and this experience happened and something else happened all because we said yes. Exactly. And I think in recovery, like you're saying, it's the same thing. Today, I feel I have a responsibility to say yes. When Beverly passed away suddenly, I thought, you know what? 54 years of experience, 54 years of of telling everybody there's this hope and you can live this life beyond your wildest dreams. I have a responsibility to carry that on. And so, you know, I had to say, yes, you had to say, yes, Pamela said, yes, everybody who's offering any kind of service to people, recovery posse is amazing on Twitter. They, every person on there says yes. Right. So we'll just keep saying yes. Exactly. And, uh, it's great to be on this journey with you. And thank you so much. And I'll look forward to seeing you soon. Absolutely. Thank you again, Denise. Take care. Pleasure. Thanks.